Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Okay, we are continuing our series on wisdom. And today it's a matter of life and death. I'm going to be talking about what a pastor is and is not. Ordering at a drive-thru, buying an expensive guitar, and a trip to Arizona. First off, I want to take you to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. John the Apostle writes this. He says, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is that the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as he has taught you, remain in him. This is such an incredible passage that that you don't need anyone to teach you. So what am I here for, right? What, What is this about? And it is about God working and leading you in your life. You don't need someone else to tell you what to do, how to live. God is speaking to you. I've been in situations, I've been in counseling appointments with other pastors where the pastor has told this person what job they should take. And I remember thinking, huh? Like, how do you know what job he should take? I've had pastors tell me what I should be doing and what God wants me to do as far as ministry is concerned. And I've had the same kind of response, like, how do you know? You see, the pastor's job isn't to tell you what to do. It is to lead you to Christ who is speaking to you so that you can hear Christ's voice in your life, not the pastor's voice. You don't need a man's voice telling you what to do. What we need is God's voice. And what we need is to tune our ear to his voice so that we hear what he's saying and we walk into the life that he has for us. And you see, that's what this whole wisdom series is about. It is calling out to us from the top of the wall. And we're going to see wisdom is wanting us to sit down and to eat. Eat with her, which sounds good to me right now. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her house, 
She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meal and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. I think it's interesting that wisdom is always connected to life throughout the Proverbs. Where we see wisdom, we see life. And where we see the fool, we see death. And there's constantly these kinds of contrasts. In chapter 5, verse 23, it says, For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. Now, this isn't like they're going to keel over and die. It's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about something else. Proverbs seven twenty three: like a bird darting into a snare, snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. It's talking about a young man making decisions that aren't healthy, aren't good, and they are going to lead to the destruction. And it says that he will lose his life. Now, he's not talking about physically losing his life, although sometimes some stupid decisions can cause that, but that's not the point that the Proverbs are talking about. It's not a death and life in the way that maybe we think about it. This isn't about actually physically dying. It's about making destructive choices that start to kill our lives. Proverbs 2, 18 and 19, it says, Surely her house, speaking of the adulterous woman, leads down to death and her paths to the point of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. And again, we have to understand wisdom is talking about life and death, but it's not talking about maybe life and death the way we tend to think about life and death. Not talking about, okay, you're going to live your life and then you're going to die and then we're going to have a funeral for you and that's the end. No, it's talking about living a life right here, right now. It's talking about dying right here and right now. And you think about this, and maybe you've known someone who has taken one of these bad turns, a person who has maybe had an affair and done something destructive, and when it comes to fruition, it's like, man, they wish they were dead, right? When the wife founds out, when the husband finds out, and it all hits the fan, and it's like ugly. I've been involved with too many of those situations where it's a mess, and it just feels like death. And you see, this is the kind of thing that we're talking about. These are the, the decisions we make that lead to the kinds of lives we have. Sometimes when I'm, I'm driving through to get food and I'm with certain people, like my granddaughters, I get anxiety because I pull up to the window and I like, okay, what do you guys want to eat? And it's like, oh, hold on. 
I want the, and it's like, we've been in line. I told you, think about what you want. So we get to this point, we can order the food. And that's why I only take them to In-N-Out now, because you can get either a hamburger or a cheeseburger. That's it. I don't have a number 13. I don't have a number 12. I don't have the chicken strips with this kind of sauce. I don't have to worry about all those things because you just have to make the choice. And when there's five cars behind me now, and I'm like, please, please just make a decision. We have to make these choices. All this talk about life and death is actually about the choices we are making right here, right now. And in this tradition, this wisdom tradition, an important foundation to understand is that life and death are present realities. They are present realities happening right here, right now. In the choices we make. We often think in static terms. You're alive now, you die later. But the wisdom tradition sees life and death as present realities. So we interpret things in this way. If we interpret you have life and then after life is death then we miss the point of what the writer is saying. We lose the opportunity to seize this moment and to seize the life that is available in this moment. And so life and death are two types of being that you are experiencing right here and right now. And this isn't anything new. I mean, really, we should... Understand this completely. In the garden, remember, the Lord said, don't eat of this fruit, and the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Did they die? Yes. Was it physically? No. You see, he was talking about something else. When Moses says, choose life that you may live, He wasn't talking about otherwise you're going to fall over and dead. He's talking about make the choices that are going to lead to the type of life that is in line with what God's intention is. And it's available right now. There is a life and a death that we can experience right here, right now. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting and terrifying all at the same time, right? It's like I can actually be living a full life or I can actually be living a life that is killing me, a life that is destroying me. And life is asking, can I have your order, please? What do you choose? Always with cheese. I'm choosing this. And we don't realize that the choices we make are so, so powerful. And so, so important. You know, in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, there is really hardly any talk about life after death. There's a few verses that talk about the grave or Sheol or the pit But most of the talk about death is talking really about dying while we're still alive, at least in this context, like we've seen in Genesis and Deuteronomy. And this is an important thing to grasp because we've changed how we see life and death so many times. 
Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? No one comes to the Father but through me. And Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, Jesus is definitely talking about the same tradition, this idea of wisdom, this idea of life, this idea of living in the life that God has for you. And what's happened is we've taken the idea of death and life and made it something else. We've made it about going to heaven and getting rewards and going to hell and getting judgment. We've made it about something different than what Scripture is continually talking about. And this happened in the Roman church when Constantine kind of adopted and took over this Christian faith and said, now we are going to kind of control people through this religion. And much of what started to happen is we have to kind of hold things over people. So if they want to get to this life, they have to do these things. Otherwise, they'll go to this death. And we have this kind of experience of you're going to either get this or that. And they're missing the point. The whole point was that there is life and death happening right here, right now around us that we step into. And the choices that we make are the important thing, not what's going to happen after we die. It's what's happening now while you're alive. That's been the focus all along. And if you don't see that, you are going to miss the opportunities to take hold of the life that is here and available. I used to work at a music store and I remember one time this guy came in and he was just scruffy looking. He looked kind of like he was just on the streets and didn't have any money. And of course that was in the seventies and everyone kind of looked like that sometimes, you know, it was just kind of a scraggly guy and he walks in and he's got some long hair and he picks up this thousand dollar guitar. And I'm like, Oh man, he's got this, you know, expensive guitar and I'm entertaining him. And I go, yeah, it's a really nice guitar. You know, it was a Gibson Les Paul. It was a custom series. And I was telling him about the guitar thinking, okay, yeah, great. And he goes, well, can I try it out? And I'm like, okay, sure. And I plug him into an amp and, I remember this so clearly. We walk into this back room where the amps were, and there was a heater on the ceiling, and it was during the winter, and so we had the heater on, and he walks through the hallway, and he goes, whoa, I just got a rush. And I go, no, no, it was the heater. It was on before, above you, and he goes, oh, okay. And so I plug him in, and he plays the guitar, and then, you know, he comes out, and I say, okay, you like it? Oh, yeah, it's a great guitar, and how much is it? And I tell him the price, a thousand-something dollars. He goes, oh, man, yeah, I can't buy it. And I'm like, I'm not surprised. And then the owner of the store comes out and he goes, well, how much could you afford? And the guy goes, well, I don't know. Let me see. And he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a few hundred-dollar bills, And then he reaches into the other pocket, pulls out a couple more $100 bills. He reaches into the back pocket. He has like $980 in his pockets, all the different pockets. And the owner goes, well, we'll sell it to you for that. And I'm just like sitting there going, I did not see this coming. This caught me off guard. I was not expecting this. If I would have known that he had this money, I would have dealt with it differently. If I would have known that the choices of life and death are here right now before me, I might live differently. 
Instead of thinking about someday I better do enough good so I can go to heaven. No, that's not the point. You've got the money in your pockets. You can buy the guitar right now. Whoa. That's a rush. That's the power of the choices we make. See, the conversation was not, is there life after death, but is there life before death? That's what we need to be asking. Is there life before I die? And am I taking hold of that life? He's talking about something that's available to us here and now. When Jesus said he was the resurrection and the life, he said, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. What's he talking about after he died? No, he's talking about a life that is ours to be had right now. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Will never die? You mean your body's not going to die? No, that's not what we're talking about. Life does not die. Life lives. That's what life does. Do I have life? That is the question. See, the truth is you could be laying in a hospital bed on a ventilator, barely holding on by a thread and be full of life. And you can be in the prime of your life, fit as a fiddle, whatever that means, and be dying. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you have been in both places. Because now the question is then, so how can I tell if we have life? How do we know? What do we look for to find out if we have life? The natural state of life is becoming. It is moving. It, it, right? It, it's breathing. It's growing. It is changing. It is developing, right? You, you get a, a banana tree and it grows bananas and they start off small green and then they grow and then they're ripe. And then I don't know if they fall off or you pick them, whatever you do with bananas, but then they turn into yellow bananas and you peel them and you eat them and they're delicious. But if you leave them too long in the basket, they start to turn brown. And then you don't want to even make a smoothie out of them, right? Because they're just mush and they're yucky, but they're still changing. And eventually they'll even turn into compost that can be used to grow something else. But there is movement. Are you moving? Are you growing? Are you becoming or are you stuck? Life moves. Life grows. Life develops. Have you ever gone somewhere and you felt like you're in a time warp? Like Big Bear? Right? Sometimes I go to Big Bear and I feel like I'm back in the 70s. Everyone's kind of still, it's like change didn't make it up the mountain, right? It only went up to, you know, Highland or something and then it just couldn't get up the hill. You go someplace and you go, man, this place is like a time warp. I feel like I'm stuck in time. I, I've traveled back in time. Sometimes our lives get that way. We get stuck. We stop moving. We stop growing. We start living. We get comfortable. We get complacent. Life moves. It's dynamic. It's not stagnant. It has to move forward. 
Life is connected like the fruit to the vine. Death is isolated. If we are connected to people in the world around us, we are moving in this realm. If not, we detach ourselves, we become isolated, and we start to wither, and we start to die. So are you connected to the world, to the people? How do you see your life? How do you see your freedom to make choices? Because there's two types of freedom. There's freedom from. This is the freedom that happens like when you're a teenager, right? And you're free when you get your car and I'm free to do what I want. Don't tell me what to do, man. I've got my freedom now. Can I have some money to buy something, right? It's like... I'm, there's the freedom from, or you think you're free from obligation, but then there is the freedom for. And you see, that's the key. You are now free to do. You are free to be a part of something. You are free to make those kinds of connections. You're not just free from, you're actually free to, and you're free to do what? That's the question. If I have a freedom for, what am I free to do? And do you see new possibilities? Is your imagination active? Can you see a world that is not yet here? Can you see a life that you don't yet have? Can you see the possibilities of what can be? Because life is filled with possibilities. Always wanting. Despair is when you don't see the possibility of change. When you think tomorrow is going to be just like today and you start to lose hope. Have you ever looked forward to something? A vacation, a date, a meal, a movie? an event, you're excited to be a part of something. It's hard to sleep. You're so filled with excitement. You're so filled with anticipation. Oh man, I can't wait. I think I've shared this story before where my son was going to go with me to Wales and my son could not wake up for anything. I mean, we'd stand him up and are you awake? And he'd be, "Uh I'm awake. And he'd just like fall back over into bed and be gone. But when it came time to go that morning, we had to get up at like 3 a.m. And I said, hey, son, it's time to go. And he just smiled, sat up out of bed. And he was like the most alive I've ever seen him all of a sudden. Why? Why? Because I can't wait. It was his first time on an airplane. He's going to go to Europe. He was so excited. He's filled with this excitement, the possibilities, imagining what was going to happen. It was overwhelming to him. And you see, because we are expectant of what's going to happen, we live with this excitement, the possibilities. Paul and Jesus both talked about the renewal of all things. What God is renewing, God is doing. Do you see your part in what God is doing? Do you see your part in the renewal of all things? And that creates an excitement It's the difference between streams and puddles, right? A stream is living water flowing. A puddle sits there, gets muddy. Cars drive through it. 
gnats. Mosquitoes are all over it. One's alive, one's stagnant. This place we live from, where life comes from, is independent from our circumstances and the things around us. Life doesn't depend on things. Jesus said, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Are you living or dying? I know people who have just incredible amounts of money who are dying. People who never get out of their room. People who don't live, but they buy everything. And it's strange the world we live in now, right? Because I don't have to leave my house to get food, to get things. I can do it all. Amazon, there's some places where Amazon will give it to you the same day. That's just crazy. Movies. I don't have to leave my house to watch a movie. What do you have? You have Netflix. You have Hulu. You have YouTube, you have HBO, you have... What do you want? It's all there. It's all streaming. And we can have all these things. And we get all these things. And sometimes we get them trying to fulfill life. Thinking that if I have these things, I will have life. But life doesn't consist of the abundance of our possessions. The amazing thing is that wisdom is calling from her house. She's calling you to come and sit at her table. She's poured you a glass of wine. She's set the steak medium rare in front of you and invites you to eat. You see, I want to rescue us from this thinking that you are alive and then you die and then you get to go to be with God. I want to rescue us from that way of thinking. I want to embrace this idea of wisdom that life is right here sitting before us, waiting for us to cut and eat into it, that we can taste and see that the Lord is good right here, right now, that it is meant to be experienced. It is meant to be lived, that it has to be active. It has to be moving. It has to be growing. And we should expect nothing less and settle for nothing less. And so the question is, are you living or are you dying? And you see, it's okay to be in one situation and then the other. I've been in both. There's times where I feel like I am living and I'm just banging on all cylinders. Things are going great. And there's times where I'm just stagnant and my life starts to feel like everything is falling apart and corroding. I can be wise at times and I can be foolish at times. I can be simple and I can be prudent. I can be disciplined and I can be reckless. I can choose life and there's times I choose death. That's the truth. So the first thing we have to recognize is that living and dying are the results of those choices that we make right here, right now. And sometimes struggle and difficulty is actually feeling alive, right? 
when you understand this wisdom that living and dying are independent of our present circumstances, whether it's financial hardship, whether it's heartbreak, whether it's cancer, those things, the trauma, whatever it is, living and dying is deeper than the things that happen to you. They're coming up from a place that's much deeper. You can be physically dying and yet alive or physically healthy and still dying. So we are not let off the hook. We have to choose which we're going to do, how we're going to follow. It it comes on to us. And this story of wisdom is so intense because wisdom, she's calling out to us, but then she also mocks us if we don't make the right decision. Right In chapter 1, it says, I will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. It's like, geez, wisdom. Wisdom's got some sass. She is talking to you, and she's saying, hey, you better make the right choice. You made the wrong choice. Like, man, I could have told you that was going to happen. Now you got to eat that instead of eating what I have, and I have something good. It's not mocking you so that you can, you know, just throw guilt and shame on you. It's mocking you because you can still make the other choice, and that's the great news. This isn't about, well, one day. It's no, today is the day I get to make the choice, and maybe you've been making just rotten choices. Maybe you find yourself depressed, alone, isolated. Maybe you find yourself not looking forward to tomorrow because there's nothing new to happening tomorrow and wisdom is calling you and saying hey i told you and she's saying that because she's trying to get you to come and eat at her table where she's serving up some excellent food but it's going to be risky to get there but it might be a little scary to get there but it's going to cost you something to get there but Once you get there, you will be alive. What do you want? May I have your order, please? What will I choose? Don't settle. When we stop growing, when we stop moving, when we stop learning... When we stop being wowed by the mystery of God, we stop living. And we come to a place where, you know what, I've accepted Jesus and I've gone to church and that's what I do. And inside you feel like something's going on. You just feel like I'm missing something. You see, if you find yourself saying, is this all there is? You're dying. If you find yourself at a place where you feel like, well, at least, you know, nobody's dying, you're probably dying. I I took a trip with my son to Arizona when I was working at a lumber company, and I got on this truck, and we loaded it with lumber, and we drove to Arizona and delivered lumber, and then we drove back. And he was probably about seven or eight years old, and I just wanted to have him with me on this trip. And on the way back, there was this place where there was kind of a, a water you know, 
pool or lake or something like that. And I just remember seeing it and it looks like, hey, this will be fun. Let's go because it was hot and there was no air conditioning in the truck. And we got there and I'm like pulling and I'm driving through this place and we see this little area of water and there's a little bench. And I go, I guess this is it. So we got out and we went in the water and it was kind of slimy and muddy, but it was fun. It was wet and we had a good time. And so we stayed there for about an hour just messing around. I think we ate something and then we got back in the truck and we started driving. And about two minutes later, we come to this lush, green, beautiful place, right? And it's like, huh? It's like we just spent our time in this muddy little swamp thing having a great time when there was this waiting for us. You see, you come to a place where you come to faith and you think, okay, this is great. I believe in Jesus. I know the truth. Things are good. But you aren't where you're supposed to be. You can be in Christ and still be dying. You can know the truth. That's not enough. You have to be alive. And the reason I know is because I've been there. I've had all the information. I've had all the answers. I could tell you the answers. I could debate with you the truth and the answers, but I was dead. And you see, it was the Spirit's voice talking to me. I don't need that anyone teach me. And God is saying, hey, you're kind of dead. No, no, I'm not dead. I accepted Jesus. I've got the truth. You want to know how to get to heaven? No, I want to know if you're alive. Of course I'm alive. I said a prayer. I did this. And inside I'm dying. And see, the invitation of wisdom is, and wisdom is Christ inviting me to have life in abundance, life to the full. And if you're not, don't fret. Oh, no, am I going to hell? No, you're being invited to the table. You're being invited to come and eat. Your living and dying is totally independent of material comfort, financial status, a job accomplishment, or success. People look around and think maybe they're satisfied because they have something. They're like, I've got all these things. I'm good. Are you? Are you good? Because once you say, well, I, I should be happy. Look at, I, there's people who are worse off than me. Maybe in some areas. But I've been in people's homes that have nothing and have more life than in people's homes who have everything. Where are we? What do we have? When people try to soothe themselves with the things that they have, what they're saying is, I'm dying. And they need to hear that. They need to hear wisdom voice calling them out. You don't need that anyone teach you. The Spirit of God is telling you. You're dying. And maybe even right now this morning, you're feeling like, I'm dying. I I don't have this life. I, I don't. Good, hear her voice, go to her table, make some changes, do what's necessary so that you're alive. Proverbs fifteen seventeen it says, Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. I love that. And I would love a fattened calf, right? That's like my meal. That's that go-to. This is a person of wealth. If you were eating a fatted calf, that meant you had money. 
but it's better to have vegetables with love than a fatted calf with hatred. It's better to be just getting by with what you need, which is love, love for life, love for people, than to have plenty with no purpose, no enthusiasm, no drive. When I had to make choices that were going to cost me my job and cost me my comforts, I was making a choice of life over death. It really was that simple. I didn't see it at that time, but really that's what it was. I was dying where I was at. And I knew Jesus, but I was dying in the life I was living. And I had to make a choice for life. What is your choice? What do you have to make? Maybe you have to make amends with someone. Maybe you've wronged somebody. Maybe you've hurt somebody. And part of the revitalization is going and saying, I'm sorry. Sorry that I hurt you. Sorry that this has happened and we've been wounded. Maybe that's what you need to do. You know, just recently I, I heard some news about someone, someone who had talked bad about me in the past. And the news I heard was sad about them. And I had to make a choice. What do I want to do with this news? And I felt like I couldn't just sit there. I felt like if I'm going to become a better person, then I need to step into a better way of living. And so I sent a note saying, I'm sorry about what happened to you in this circumstance. And it made me feel alive because I made a choice to do something that was healthy, that was right, that was stepping into life. Did I want to do it? Well, part of me is like, well, that goes to show you that's what happens, right? But that's not the right thing. And if I'm going to be the right person, I have to make the right choices and do the right things. Maybe there's some what ifs in your mind. What if I would have done this? Maybe if I would have taken this job. Maybe if I would have gone to school, what if I would have said yes to this? Or what if I would say no to this? Maybe you need to backtrack Go back to school. Maybe you need to go take that chance. See what happens. Because I don't want to live in a life of what ifs. And the reason I say what ifs is because I'm too lazy to do. So maybe I need to get off my backside. Step up to wisdom's table and say, what you got for me? I'm here to eat. Because I don't want to go by existing and not be alive. Life is here. Death is here. What do you choose? Choose life. Wisdom's calling to us, inviting us. Let's answer her call. Let's pray. Lord, I believe all of scripture is about wisdom. It's about walking through the complexity of life and making decisions that move us closer to your heart, that allow us to be a part of your kingdom and what you're doing. And I pray, Lord, that we would break out of this idea that we come to faith just so that when we die, we get to go to heaven. We have 
come to you, Jesus, because in you is the fullness of God, because you have the ability to give us life and life in abundance. And Lord, that is what we desire, and that is what we need. I pray for those who are here this morning who maybe are awakening to the fact that they really are dying, that there is no movement in their life. There is no growth. There is no connection. There is no anticipation, no excitement. And Lord, you are prompting them by your spirit to make some changes to maybe say yes to some things and maybe say no to other things, to, to follow your lead that brings with it life. And God, I pray for all of us that we would not find ourselves in a place where we miss out on what's available for us. Lord, we are gifted in so many incredible ways just in this room. Lord, you have put ideas in our mind and and dreams in our heart and visions that we only imagine. For some people, maybe those visions are growing dim. Maybe those dreams are fading and they're dying. Resuscitate them, Lord. May they step up to the table. May they drive up and place the order. When you ask, what would your order be? Say, I would like to order some life. I need it. I want it. And I will not leave without it. Lord, fulfill your will in us. May we answer your call, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. May you hear the Spirit's voice. May you go to wisdom's table. May you move, may you connect, and may you be excited for the life that is available to you right here, right now. God bless you guys. Choose life. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.